0: hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of tasting anarchy i am your host jacob Lindsay, and as always i'm joined by
1: mason joseph
0: and on this uh wonderful last day of february uh, i'm enjoying a wonderful bag of uh sizzling bacon sunflower seeds <laughs> I, I was just giving mason a a, a review of them and um not as good as the Taco Supreme or the cheeseburger, but they're not bad. Uh, I think once I'm done with this bag, I probably won't buy any more. I'll probably switch back over to the Taco Supreme and the uh, cheeseburger and, and add in kind of the once in a while, a little bit of the pickle. But this was a flavor I hadn't seen before, or at least I don't remember having seen it before. So I grabbed it. Not bad, just not not my favorite.
1: At first, I thought you were saying you were going to stop eating those sunflower
0: seeds. <laughs> No, 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 That's That's uh, not possible. That's the only way I stay awake when I'm working. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, what, I don't know what it is about sunflower seeds, but, you know, when we're on, like, wrong, long road trips or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I will fall asleep while driving, which is, you know, to some degree terrifying. To some degree. Um, <laughs> but sunflower seeds, for whatever reason, keep me awake. Mm-hmm. I think it's because, like, I'm, I have, like, there's, like, a motion that you have to do to, like, keep, chewing them and moving them around in your mouth and stuff like that. Cause I'll take, I'll take a handful and put them on one ch- side of my mouth and then one by one split them and put the shell on the other side. So it's like a process.
1: I would just have chemical burns in my mouth.
0: Like I don't you, know how you, you get those, that. but you do, you develop callus. So. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs>
1: not at all. Not doing this.
0: <laughs> you get over it you get over it
1: (laughs) i mean you know like i do some weird stuff like i got another pair of uh uh barefoot shoes and i rubbed my foot raw because i was wearing them without socks because i was seeing if i could do it and then you know took off my shoes and i was like well it's like when i uh, get a new pair of birkenstocks just you gotta toughen up your feet and then it's like oh i guess you know jacob's intense love of sunflower seeds makes a little sense there (laughs) but right (laughs) we are uh we've talked about options on our personal pre-call chat uh our pre-show chat we've talked about your love of sunflower seeds and we've talked about my love of barefoot shoes uh so let's talk about the real reason we're here uh wine
0: yeah let's go for it you want to share yours today i actually have a bottle of wine which i think uh i think i had one last time but I was doing beers for a while, but I got mm-hmm. something. I got Well, I'll go ahead and share mine because, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, sometimes you go off of it for a little while and then you try another one. You're like, wow, oh, I'm like reinvigorated for wine. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I went with a Texas wine and that'll kind of play into one of the article topics I have later in the episode. Uh, but I went with Becker vineyards, which is a pretty big winery here or, uh, brand, I guess uh, it's not, I don't think it's one winery, but I think it's, you know, it's a, a big brand here. I went with their uh, Malbec, which is a uh, Texas Malbec. Uh, they 2017. It is, uh, 14.5% alcohol by volume. Again, like I said, it's a Malbec. Uh, I think it's very good. It is extremely fruity. It's got kind of like a spiciness to it. It does have a little bit of that kind of like butteriness to it, which I like a lot. Um, Although I've noticed that a lot of times when I describe something as buttery, that's like the vanilla. So maybe it's like a vanilla bean. Is vanilla bean kind of buttery?
1: I've not personally thought that in the past, but I've had it mainly vanilla bean in milk-based products. Okay. So, you know, like vanilla bean ice cream, vanilla bean, like frappuccino from Starbucks that has milk in it. Um, So... You know, that might be, it might actually have a more buttery to it, but based on the things that I'm having it in, it doesn't really.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's like I would, I would kind of say buttery, but I think that's more of like a vanilla-y taste, mm-hmm. but um, kind of hard to identify a little bit. Uh, their description says that it has a slight mint and cocoa finish. I don't really detect that at all. Smooth tannins, yes. Um, I think it's a very solid Malbec. Uh, I like getting things from Texas. And I just was kind of in the mood for, you know, I went down and I was, I got like a variety pack of IPAs and I was like, yeah, I'm going to drink these IPAs this weekend. And then when I was, I, you just go and do my regular grocery shopping, I happened to see that they had uh Becker Vineyards, Malbec, and also their reserve Tempranillo at Kroger, which I, I like their reserve Tempranillo a lot better than their regular one. Mm-hmm. And so I went ahead and picked that up and, um, you know, no regrets it's very good and uh i think that i would recommend it to a lot of people and it's also really a fair price so i remember thinking it was a fair price and i'm trying to remember it was uh, 12 bucks so uh 12 bucks at kroger not a bad deal at all same thing with temper neo 12 bucks at kroger i think it's also roughly the same price at total wine um if they have the uh Texas wine is available to you, the listeners. Um, if you're in Texas, then they probably do. And so, yeah, I recommend it. I think it's very good. Yeah. So, I went back to
1: uh, Portugal. Uh, not that I've actually ever been there, but for, like, my wife was getting her eyes checked um, on Saturday. So, where she gets her eyes checked is over in Chesapeake. And there's a total wine over in the Greenbrier area. And this was, you know, like across the shopping center. So, my daughter and I went and walked around in total wine and I was looking for their more kind of like, you know, sometimes at total wine you can find like the Lebanon section and you're like, mm-hmm. this shouldn't be a bunch of Lebanese wine here, but there is, um, and I couldn't really find anything. So like, I just happened to go through the Portugal section. So I got the Destino fifth empire duro red. Um, so it's a red blend. It's, um, red blend of, you know, the, I mean, it's duro. So turn it, I just closed the link I had with the list of the blend. So I'm going to read it from the back of the bottle. Um, so it's 45% Tinta ro, ro- ro- Roriz, R O R I Z 30%, uh, Torgiga Franca and 25%, uh, Torgia Nacional. national or yeah, I think that's national. Um, so it's 14% alcohol by volume. Uh, this is the 2015, um, Doc Duro. So it's the, you know, Dura area, um, which is, you know, it's basically like pitch black wine as you know, we've had in the past with the Duros, um, are those the kind of Spanish or not Spanish but the Portuguese varieties. Um, I didn't get like a whole lot of smell on it. My wife said it smelled herby. Um, I, it was very dry. Like at first it, like we had it with steak last night. Um, and it wasn't super dry, but like, we also like butter our steaks and we, you know, like when they're resting and we, we do a lot of stuff like that. Um, so I don't know how much that extra fat took away from the dryness, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. playing with that, like tongue, uh, positioning, but I had opened it beforehand and kind of let it, um, air out a bit in for my first glass. And I didn't notice it being like as dry as the second round of glasses I had of it today was as I finished the bottle. Um, but pretty dry, low acidity, not a lot of tannins on it. I was reading some reviews on like the Total Wine site, and, you know, they're kind of crapping on it. Um, I didn't think it was that bad. It, like I thought it was actually a pretty good drink. I definitely would recommend it. It was like $16.99, mainly uh-huh. because it it's different. It, like, you know, those Portuguese wines are where it's not port, but it is a different variety than what you've had before. It's higher alcohol, but it's not like an eighteen percent California like fruit bombs in. Um, it's complex enough where you're it, you're getting stuff, but it's also not just overwhelming. So kind of dry red fruit, uh, blackberries. The like total wine descriptions got blackberry, vanilla, and plum. I would definitely say like blackberry and plum for sure. I thought I was getting a little raspberry, but I'm kind of not super great with the fruits. I didn't get very much vanilla, uh, but I also probably could have like had it open up more and may have gotten more of that vanilla.
0: Yeah, And then it was uh, like 1699. So not yeah. Bad. Well, that's, it's usually how I feel about the Portuguese wines is I think that they're usually pretty good and inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and also, yeah, different, different enough. Like, there is something about them that is kind of, uh, I guess, reminiscent of like what, well, maybe what we like is reminiscent of that. But sort of that kind of fruity California, warm weather type wine, a uh, little bit more unrefined, a little bit more aggressive in some ways. But also, even even, even at that same price point, under $20, you can get some really refined – Um. Trying to think of the right word for it, but Portugal, this, I sort of the same way as Chile. It's the same price point for a lot of different types of wine. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes you're getting like these kind of wildly aggressive wines, and sometimes you're getting these like ultra refined, high quality wines. And you're like, why is this twenty bucks? Why isn't this forty mm-hmm. or something like that? And and I and I've always found that kind of like Portugal, Chile is the same way, where it's like you never really know exactly. Uh, what you're going to get from wine to wine. But once you identify those ones that are at those different levels, you're like, oh, this is a perfect price for this. Yeah. Or or, you, or a of you know, one of the two.
1: Yeah. You kind of, it's like, oh wait, this is like, this is fantastic. Hopefully nobody else figures this out. But then you also kind of go like, oh crap, if no one else figures this out, then I won't get this again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they yeah they may not get it again. Um, there's one I'm looking at on the Total Wine site because I see that they've got yours here. I'm trying to remember the one that I had that I really liked and I would recognize the label because it had like a like a silhouette of a long haired chick on it. Um, mm-hmm. Here it is. Yeah, it's uh it is Rap- riga de Quinta Reserva um and it is this is also a red blend probably a very similar one to what you had um do you know what region yours is from i can, Duro. i can Duro. okay so our mine is uh, alentejo al, al alentejo I'm not really sure what if that's the right region but uh this is the one that i i kind of discovered a little bit more expensive 25 dollars price point but um if I recall, it does have that Torrega Nationale and and um, the, uh, uh, what is it, the Torrega Franca. Mm-hmm. Um, and I be- I think that's what was in this one. I would have to go read through the description and stuff like that. But uh, I re- as I recall, this was really totally worth 25 bucks for, and so I very much believe that, maybe I'll grab yours. If they have it available where I am, let's take a look. Uh, yours is here, Duro. Uh, get this the same one and they do have it here at my, at my total wine. Maybe I'll pick right. this up and I'll do a review on it too. That'd be fun. Yeah. You, you have the 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one that they have on here too. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll check this out. Cause that I, I did, I do really like the, uh, those Portuguese wines yeah, and, yeah. I, and they're usually a good deal.
1: And that's in like we were saying, it's like, it's a good deal and it's different enough where you're not, constantly having the same thing. Now obviously if you're like I like the same thing, like and I would never want to try anything different, and sure, fine. Um but that's where you know you and I like to try something new. There are times where we like to have like a like kind of at home wine, you know the one we like to have or any of those sort of things. Um yeah. but that's just where you know we both enjoy trying something new but unrelated but related i was watching because like so you know me like i somehow managed to like cut my hands do weird stuff and hurt myself in some way i was sitting there and i just started feeling like somebody kicked me in the stomach this morning and it was like right before we ate breakfast Or yeah, I broke my fast and couldn't figure out what it was. So I was just laying on the couch. And then after breakfast, like I managed to eat and didn't have any issues from there. But my stomach was just upset for like three hour, just like this three hour block where I felt like I'm going to be sick everywhere (laughs) or something. And as I was laying there, I was just watching for, like, whatever, like, self-punishment purposes, I was watching cooking shows on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, America's Test Kitchen came on. And something that I thought was very important was mentioned in it. and But it was in a completely unrelated way. So, one of the things that they were doing was they were making ice cream sandwiches based on this, like, recipe that was popular in the early 70s or something like that. And so, they went through this process of, like making the cookies stand up to the cold better as opposed Mm -hmm. to like, you know, just grabbing two cookies out of like the drawer and slapping them together and eating them. This was like putting this thing like together. So one of the things that they had mentioned was that when something is cold, it changes the way you taste it because cold slows down your taste buds. Oh, interesting. Okay. And like it literally like, inhibits your body's reaction to the thing. And I thought that was super interesting and I had never really thought of it, but you know how we always talk about like having our drinks like in America colder than most places. And then, you know, I was going to kind of like how think about how proper temping of a wine really does change the flavor. And right. so one of the things that I was wondering about, and this is one of those ones where I think it'd be interesting to ask some of our wine producer friends is do they know of anybody? Cause like, I know the people that we know don't maybe not necessarily produce at this volume and have to think about it that way. But like people like barefoot, are they specifically trying to produce the wine So it has specific flavors and profiles at the lower US general temperatures for wine serving, or is that something like, has anybody even considered that? You know what I mean? Like, is there, is that something people are actively looking at when they're crafting wine or are they going, oh no, we're, we're just assuming they're drinking it at a specific temperature, which that temperature is the temperature they would drink it at. You know what I mean? Like
0: that—that makes sense. Is yeah, maybe doing like a survey of of American wine drinkers and kind of going, our consumers are going to be drinking this at you know seventy, at a temperature of roughly indoor room temperature for an American house, seventy to seventy-five, because most Americans do not refrigerate their red wines, Mm -hmm. and the average temperature for the inside of a american home is between 70 fahrenheit and 75 fahrenheit yeah uh so if you were going to make a red wine you would want to make sure that the flavor profile is what you were going for is the flavor profile you were going for at 70 to 75 which is that's a good point i think that's very, that's really actually very interesting i never really thought about it that way i always kind of was just like oh we drink it too warm mm-hmm. or we drink it too cold one of the one of the two and, and for white wine, that's sort of, the, you know, what you were saying is, is exactly what everybody always says is Americans tend to drink white wines colder than they should be served. And they treat, tend to drink red wines warmer than they should be served.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that's be- what yeah. I was ma- like, I hadn't even thought about the red wine aspect because I was thinking about specifically wines that are known to be chilled, i.e. the white wines. But that's an even more interesting thing because- red wine is super popular, but as we've talked about before, it's not always the biggest gateway wine to people. You know, they, right. people generally try like other wines. So, um, yeah, like, like if, you whites go, to
0: in. if you go to the Becker vineyard website where, uh, which is the wine that I am drinking tonight, mm-hmm. it says that it's recommending that this wine be drunk at 65. Yeah. Which is, what is my, te- what I can pull it up actually on my phone, what the temperature is in my house right now. I, I guarantee that it's, it's 72 or 73, something like that. Uh, let's see. I got it on my, my phone hooked up 72. So yeah. So cause the heat here, it was, it was 70 out today. And, uh, which is weird. Cause we're going to get to an article about how cold it was in texas but uh <laughs> today it was about 70 72 73 degrees outside so i just didn't turn the ac or the heat on at all i thought it, you know the temperature is pr- pretty much perfect right now so or at least from from my standpoint it is mm-hmm. uh so i just left the heat off all day and and the ac off and so it's just whatever the temperature is it's going to get down a little bit it, i think it's going to get down to under under 60 tonight but um yeah, so I this this wine is probably maybe a little bit cooler, maybe a little bit cooler than 70. It might be might be 69 or might be close to what they're recommending, but I do think that's an interesting study. Or that would be an interesting thing to study and change the way that you make your wine to suit what people are going to drink it at. Mm-hmm. So like if so another good I think another good example would be if you're going to be producing those, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a canned wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a Sauvignon Blanc,
1: I think. I believe so.
0: Yeah. What do por- people normally do with cans is they stick them to an ice cooler, or they stick them in like a, a cooler with a bunch of ice. Mm-hmm. That's going to be at a far colder temperature than a chilled white wine. That's going to be, you know, down in the 40s, probably. Yeah. So- would you change the way that you make the Sauvignon Blanc to have the greatest flavor, greatest bouquet and all that sort of stuff at 40 degrees? And this sort of reminds me of the uh, Angelica wine I think it is down here. They don't they make a uh, American hybrid wine um, down here south of uh, Dallas And I remember thinking it was really interesting they ferment their wine at they sort of logger it. It's almost like a loggering process. Uh, so they make this wine, which is typically considered a a poor – like a bad uh, grape. But they – I thought they did a really – because I had their regular wine process, and then I had their – almost, like I said, almost like they're lagering it. They're, they're fermenting it at a very low temperature. Mm-hmm. And this – and it totally changes the profile of the wine because uh, the yeasts are different. The yeah. yeasts that are converting the sugars into alcohol. So I tried their normal wine process – Wine that was made out of uh, whatever that American hybrid. It's a it's a grape develop, developed for Florida. I can't remember what it's called, but um, it's a white grape for making white wine. But they they this particular winery said, you know, yeah, we just wanted to try something different, so they made this wine in a different process that was fermented at a much much lower temperature than normal, and. Mm-hmm very interesting, much better than the normal processed wine. Like, you know how people say like American grapes are like foxy. They taste like uh musky a little bit.
1: I don't know that, but that's oh, okay. something more that you would have caught on to. You know what I mean? Like that's not something I would have naturally necessarily heard of.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really describe it as musky or foxy. It's kind of like, <sighs> without a without a, it without making it sound bad it's kind of like a wet dog hint I guess would be the way like I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's bad because it's not it's just that it does have this sort of other flavor that is not you don't taste this in European grapes mm-hmm you know um it's it's this it is it's a it's a very it's very strong kind of animal taste um like wet dog, they say foxy, but like, um, to me that more like fo- the smell of fox is like skunk. Like it's that musk or whatever. Like I, that's not how I would describe it because to me that's way too off putting. It mm-hmm. is a flavor that is unusual, but it's not like, it's not like, I don't want to like throw up or something like that when I drink it. It's, it's still the like American hybrid grapes or just straight American grapes, I think still make decent wine. It's just not the same as European wines. And also like, you know, to be fair, it's not as high a quality, um, but it is its own thing. So with this process that this particular winery, uh, Car and I went down there uh, last summer, I think it was, or actually it was probably last spring because it was right after they harvested. And we tried this uh, like lagered wine, basically. And it was... Very refreshing. It was a, it was a re- and, it, and it was also served very cold. That was the other thing. And I and I, as I recall, I bought a bottle of it and brought it up, and I drank it later at a slightly warmer temperature than what they served at. And it was it was much stronger in those kind of flavors that were not particularly attractive. But as a very, very cold wine, very refreshing, really good fruit, a lot of like honeysuckle kind of flavors, um, very crisp like apple-y flavors, you know, mm-hmm. uh, apple, pear, that kind of thing. Really great wine, but at a slightly warmer temperature, not as good. So that kind of goes along to what you're talking about. So I wonder if maybe instead of American, and the thing is like you and I are he- sitting here like hypothesizing and stuff, and we don't know to vineyard, and, and it's not like Americans haven't been trying to do this for a long time, so I feel sort of like uh, pretentious being like, well, why don't you try it this way or whatever? Like. I'm <laughs> like, well, you know, but that's that's entrepreneurship. Is it like, you know, people who go like, ah, they've already tried it. They don't make any money. They don't become entrepreneurs. But people who are like, I wonder if anybody's ever tried this. Let's look and find out. Those are the people who actually make money.
1: Certainly, yeah, usually are, are the people who discover something new, they may not be the ones who actually make money doing it, but they may be the ones sure. who discover something new. So like, you know, one of the things that I was like, I happened to catch a cork and Java post and, you know, they were explaining orange wines, mm-hmm. you know, with the skin contact and everything like that. So it's just, a, you know, I didn't necessarily mean for this to be as fruitful of a discussion <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Cause you had some, at least one good article that I had seen. Um, that you shared with me earlier that we were going to talk about, but that was just kind of one of those things where it's like, it's such an interesting concept on the way that you can play with different things. So, you know, like different marketing strategies, but it's also how you just literally get a different result. Like my neighbors, I don't know what it has been, but they have been on a tear recently, like with their furniture flipping business. Like
0: oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Buying, you know, so they do a lot of mid-century modern, and there's a lot of mid-century modern names where, like, they find a piece that's, you know, call it $50 for sale. But the person selling it in, you know, Smithfield, like someplace, I was trying to think of, like, Altamorfa, not, like, that far away from you, but, like, someplace out in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere. And they'll go out and get it and then they'll turn around and sell it for like 400 bucks and they didn't do any repair to it. So they have just been like wholesaling furniture. Um, and it's been super interesting recently. Cause like the husband has been like, his job has been pretty impacted by COVID, but no, fi- no financial impact to him based on what he does, which you know what he does, but I'm not going to say just so I don't yeah. kind of dox him. Cause he's, you know, I don't think he'd care, but I don't want to put himself like put his stuff out there necessarily. So he has been all over Helen back getting all these things. (laughs) So it's just super interesting to me, like the, like things they could do to try to change their Facebook market posts to try to improve their sales, but they're already having enough hard time basically keeping stuff in stock. Right. Right. So, and it's interesting, like, you know, they, they, used to be all about learning new techniques and everything like that. But recently, because they've been making such good money, just flipping the furniture, basically taking it in warehousing it in the garage for a day, day and a half week, and then reselling it without doing any refurbishing. It's like, they don't need to learn anything new. So that's one of those ones where, you know, from that entrepreneurship and it, like exploration and trying new stuff, it's like, how much new things do they actually need to try? You know what I mean? It's like, like, how much do they need to actually do?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it is one of those things because it's like, well, I mean, we, we can go into our articles, I guess, but like what I'm thinking about is that is it like you get like something is successful for you for a while and you don't learn new things? Mm-hmm. So you all, so, and that maybe is. You know, I don't want to say that's what the wine industry is doing because the wine industry has changed a huge amount in I mean, even since you and I got into wine, but like just since like America entered the scene Mm -hmm. with like sanitary practices and things like that. Like America really hit the market with like let's be clean. (laughs) (laughs) But like uh like things like that where like they they were like and, and, a, and much, much more scientific about what they're producing and also mm-hmm. knowing what they're producing. You know, a lot of places for years in Europe were saying that this is X wine or, or in South America is a better example of this is, um, you know, we, we talked about Chile earlier and they had a Carmenere, They have Carmenere there. And for a long time, I don't remember what grape they thought it was, but they thought it was something else.
1: Yeah, um, I think, no. It was and cab, and, like didn't they think it was Cab Wasn't that what we had?
0: That, that, that might be. Thought. Yeah, they might have thought it was. Ca- I can't remember what they thought it was, but they thought it was something else. And then people did like DNA studies of it, and they were like, "Wait a second, this is a grape that we thought was extinct." Mm-hmm. It's Carmenere, which was the lost grape of Bordeaux, I believe. Um,
1: the lost pepper grape.
0: Yeah, the, exactly. The lost pepper grape. It was a it was a grape that had died out because of fluoroxera in Europe. And they thought it was just gone or, or effectively gone. And then they discovered that it had actually been planted in Chile and was doing fine and producing very good wine. So it's one of those kind of things where it's like knowing what you're producing, knowing how to produce good wine and being clean is, uh, is what kind of the new world sort of introduced. And then now we have kind of a reintroduction of the old world since the collapse of the Soviet Union too. So you mentioned orange wine earlier. Nobody in Western Europe was really doing orange wine. And then Armenia and um, Georgia and uh, these Eastern European countries that had kind of been like locked away from the Western world were suddenly put back onto the scene. And they're going, well, this is how we've mm-hmm. always done it. And people go, and, and you know, another one in Oregon, now they're doing this, is uh, with those gigantic clay vessels that they do in Armenia and in Georgia. Um, yeah. Fermenting it in that, whatever those are called. I can't remember what they're called. But uh, amphora, is that right? Um, I, think they call I, I think they have multiple different
1: names like depending on, yeah.
0: There's something like that, but big clay vessels. Yeah,
1: there's, the, yeah, there's many names for those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so and that's kind of like a same sort of the same thing is where it's like it's like new world meets old world where people are going like now we have the way to understand that whereas you had these traditional methods that they've done for a long time and, and then you and well you know and and another sort of another counter example of this is um Portugal, where you had your you got your wine from, for years they were in this communal system where they basically were on these gigantic co-ops, like these gigantic communist state run, not really state run, but regional state, I guess, um, local government run yeah, farms they're, they're where they would like Yeah. Yeah, like kind of like communal things. So they would basically submit all their grapes, those grapes would be floated down the river they would get to the place and they'd put them into port and then the port would be exported and people would drink port. And then, you know, the the you know, for better or for worse, the EU came in, opened up that part of Portugal with roads, and also sort of broke up those weird kind of cartel systems that were there. And now there are independent farmers or the farmers that traditionally own them going, well, we don't want to just submit our grapes and make port. We want to use Torega Nacional, which is a, is the grape of Portugal. We drink it locally. We make good, low alcohol wine here. We don't make fortified wine with it and drink it here. They're like, we make this, let's export this before we couldn't send that down the river because, you know, you can't send a whole mm-hmm. bunch of glass bottles down this like raging river or whatever. Uh, now we've got roads and trucks <laughs> and stuff that come in and we can ship these out. And, and that sort of has opened the world up. So it's, it's really, it is interesting. It's like things change and people who kind of adapt to the change or meet the market demand move forward. And those that are not meeting the market demand, they kind of go away. And I, and I think that's, it. so yeah, this was a much more fruitful conversation than I think even I expected until, uh, yeah, until we started exploring Thought it, it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 This is a good, good conversation. Yeah. So you want to get into articles real quick? Yeah. How much time do we have left? We got. Uh, we got about thirty let's minutes. Take a look. A little less than thirty minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. All right. I, I'll I'll quickly touch on this one just because uh, I don't think we talked much about it last episode. So just to remind everybody, when we're recording this, we're about two weeks out from the big freeze in Texas, uh, which is uh, we had about five days in a row of sub freezing temperatures, which is very unusual for Texas. It caused a huge amount of damage. There's a lot of like political fallout from this and stuff like that, but we're not going to really get into that. Um, What I wanted to kind of focus on because I didn't think about it until this week is what impact on the Texas wine market uh, would that have. And it turns out it's actually probably going to be pretty good for Texas wine grapes. So Uh, grapes have a, uh, like a biological aspect to them that, um, they are signaled to bud and start growing back when there's a freeze for multiple days and then the spring comes and then they're allowed to bud. So at this point, they're forecasting that it's probably not going to freeze again in Texas this year. Um, at least not in hill country Mm -hmm. or my part of Texas It's probably going to be, uh, above, above 50 for the rest of the year. Um, and then very soon into the hundreds, but, um, b- um, it was, uh, Fall Creek Vineyards put out a, an interesting little article where they just were explaining to people, um, what impact cold temperatures like that have on grapes. And they said, keep in mind that, um, European grapes are European. So they are designed genetically or they, they're bred genetically to withstand up to minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, young, young grapes do sometimes have a problem. So, and, and they did, they did kind of mention that uh, th- in some of their newer fields where there's young grapes that haven't produced any fruit yet, they may have issues with that, but this freeze kind of came at a time that was perfect because the grapes were already dormant. They were, you know, they weren't. They didn't have any buds on them or anything like that. They were already dormant. It was already fairly cold for uh, several weeks leading up to this big freeze, and then it dropped below freezing for over five days, or for five days in most places. Some places a little bit longer than that. And they said that actually the grapevines ha- have a sort of uh, they call it like a um, a cold hours counter, and it prevents them from beginning new growth. Uh, with bud break at the first warm wave in the middle of winter, because when it's, when it's frozen or when it's that cold, it basically like starts that clock over. So it'll actually not bud until a little bit later, which means that we may have like a better, it may be a slightly later harvest, but the grapes will be developing deeper into the warm season of Texas. And so you'll get a lot more flavor development and sugar development in the grapes. So this may be actually a really good vintage for Texas wines. Um, so just very interesting mm. to me. And I, and I, I, had, I thought about it actually after you and I recorded, actually recorded it late this year, but, uh, or this week, but um, after you and I were talking a little bit about it, I was like, Oh, I wonder what kind of impact that all had on Texas wine. And turns out, Although it wrecked everything else in Texas for the most part, uh, it actually uh, was very good for the grapes. <laughs> so and it actually, you know, the other another thing that? a couple. What's that? Oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was saying um one thing that it was not good for is you know, Texas has the largest uh not supply, but the largest uh population of exotic animals, wild animals. So like gazelle mm-hmm. and giraffe and elephants and, you know, all those types of animals that yeah, like privately are from owned other places and they live here. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Privately owned uh, exotic animals. But apparently this freeze is killed tons of them, which that was another one of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think about it until I saw an article about it. And they were like, this probably killed like, a bunch of gazelle a bunch of the uh middle eastern antelope axis deer giraffes um if possibly wild lions and wild tigers uh like all these animals that like live on people's like massive plots of land that are wild and they're just not suited for that that long of a freeze and the one thing that it didn't kill mm-hmm. which it probably should have because well it would have been better if it had is wild boar or wild hogs, uh, not boar, boar are a different thing, but um, yeah. wild hogs. Nothing kills them. No, nothing, nothing kills them. And they were saying like, this freeze is fine for them. They're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're, um, they're terrible animals. And they, I think I've t- told the statistic before, but in order just to keep the population in Texas stable, they would have to kill 70 million a year. And, they don't kill anywhere near that. They kill about twenty million a year. So uh, they're they kill quite, twenty million a year. They kill twenty million wild hogs a year in Texas, and uh, they, in order to keep the population stable, they would have to kill seventy million. That's how many wild hogs are here. I, I, I'm not, I'm not doubting you, but that
1: that that number just seems ridiculously large Crazy. to me. <laughs>
0: yeah so if you go through yeah. if you go through the numbers, it's because a sow can have three litters and the litters can be up to 16 pigs or piglets, I guess can be up to 16 piglets per litter. so they can have three litters a year at up to 16 pigs per litter and mm-hmm. uh, and then they're ready to breed in one year. So they're just – they just produce just ridiculous – they they're just so prolific. And the thing is that it's good meat to eat. You can eat these things. So like they, they do taste different mm-hmm. than ham or whatever that you get at the grocery store, but you can eat them. It's not bad meat. And um, so I don't know. It's just one of those kind of interesting things that – and they were – that's what – they mentioned it in the article I was reading where they were like, well – where they kind of competed with some of these other exotics and stuff like that for stuff. Now that these exotics are gone, the pigs are just going to, the pigs will go eat the corpses. So they'll like anything that died, They'll just go eat it and they can eat, they can eat rotten meat. Mm-hmm. So they're like, they're unstoppable. Um, and they'll just, they'll go eat it. They'll have more or the sows will have more piglets and their population will grow even more. And it's, it's, it's ludicrous how many yeah, I was gonna these see. things are. But yeah, say the only,
1: uh, there's another animal that isn't as bothered by the cold. Yeah. So there's another animal that isn't as bothered by the cold as one would expect. Apparently, elephants aren't as bothered by the cold. Like there's the like the wildlife reserve in Tennessee where it gets pretty cold normally.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And, and there's, there's not, a elephant like, preserve down in Austin. Super, super cold.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm wondering. That's kind of what actually spurred on my looking because I knew there was an elephant preserve down there. And I was wondering mm-hmm. uh, that they are technically, and they're kind of in captivity because they do, like people take care of them, they rescue elephants. So like they're mostly Indian elephants that were in circuses mm-hmm. and things like that. I think the Tennessee one's like that too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it's, you know, uh, several thousand acres where the elephants are just kind of allowed to roam around on their own. And But I think they have like pens and stuff like that where they can bring them in if they need to. So I'm sure that because it got Mm -hmm. so cold, they probably would have brought them in. But I guess if they're not bothered by the cold that much, then maybe they didn't need to. I don't know. That's always what I'm concerned about is the the elephants because there's not very many elephants left in the world. So they're pretty cool animals. Actually, there's a lot more than people
1: think. But oh yeah, yeah. Like there, there's less than there should be. So Okay, I see. But yeah, I love them. But yeah, so yeah, uh, I was going to say we also know several Texas wine producers we could talk to about how this cold's impacting them.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll message a couple of them and see if if we can get one of them on to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about that until you just mentioned it, which is weird. I, I guess I'm not as uh, empathetic as I as I thought. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, message some, I'll, I'll message maybe Rowdy and yeah, uh, Ricky and see if we can have days. one of them on. What's that?
1: Yeah.
0: going like I say, it's because you're too into options these days. Oh, well, that's true. I am. I'm way too obsessed with that. I spent all day long watching videos about it. You want to get into our next article? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one will probably be a little bit faster um, I'll go ahead and summarize it. So it's Napa Valley's speaking of options, Napa Valley's Duckhorn plans, uh, mm-hmm. Duckhorn plans debut on New York Stock Exchange. So uh New as I'm York sure City. many of our listen what's that? <laughs> I said New York City. In New York City, that's right. Uh so as many of our listeners are aware, there is uh Duckhorn which is a very popular wine brand that's available at many locations. Uh, They have filed with the SEC to uh, seek a IPO on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, This does not necessarily mean that they are, but it's a step toward offering an IPO. Now, traditionally, uh, wine companies offering an IPO, it tends to not do too well and it ends up going back to being private. They, they raise a little bit of money to begin with, but then um, once things sort of shake out, it doesn't work very well. The the example that they use in the article is um, actually a brand that Mason, you and I like, which is um, man, I remember. And I, did I write it down? Do you remember what it was? I don't know if you read the article. It was, I did um, read the article, but I don't Ravenswood. That's, that was the one. Yeah. Ravenswood. Uh, so Ravenswood apparently in the nineties had an IPO. It, it did okay when it sold, but then eventually like it basically crashed and they ended up having to buy it all back. Um, so they're, they, they are filed with the, their initial, I guess their initial worth at a hundred million, but, um, they said that that's sort of just sort of like a test just to kind of get the filing to go through. Um, they're actually seeking closer to. 300 million, oh, here, here's what it, here was what it was about uh, Ravenswood. So Ravenswood Winery, uh, they IPO'd in the late 90s for 11 million, um, and I'm sure that adjusted for inflation, 100 million's not that much, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I guess that kind of just sort of went away and um, ended up collapsing. I think uh, Gallo ended up buying a, a large portion of Ravenswood, and now that's sort of who owns it now. But um, with... With uh, uh, Duckhorn, they're expecting to raise quite a bit of money. They're hoping that with kind of the new online wine sales and and a number of other things that uh, this is going to actually do very well for them. They already own several vineyards, and um, they're hoping to enter the New York Stock Exchange with the symbol NAPA, NAPA, which I thought was uh, convenient. So the question is, Mason, after their IPO, are you going to buy... N-A-P-A, NAPA.
1: Uh, so that's what I was trying to think of is, was there a way we could, because a- as you and I both know, there's a lot of loose money in the markets right now. And depending on the stimmy, as the uh, Wall Street bet boys like to call it, um, there could be a lot more loose money. So my account isn't large enough necessarily. Um, but I would love to have some kind of at the money options that had like a year out expiration for Napa. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think everything is significantly overpriced except for a few companies, you know, like I, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm a big Apple fan, as you know, um, I don't think they're necessarily overvalued based on how much actual like revenue they pull in, right. but they do do stock buybacks. They do, you know, stuff to manipulate it. Plus their luxury product. So if everybody's got STEMI money, and they're spending it on frivolous things, then Apple's got a lot more, um, you know, purchasers of their products, but like they also have the new M1 processors. They, you know, they've got a brand new custom in-house line of processors, which like if Apple knew these were going to be as good as they were, it's kind of clear that they had been possibly like kind of nerfing their Intel products for like a year or two. Cause Intel wasn't giving them the good, you know, wasn't be able to produce processors that they needed the way they needed. So it's like clear that Apple may have just made, at least in my mind, worse products. But, you know, that's where I think like maybe Apple is, I don't think it's worth what it's listed as, but like, I think it's not super overvalued. Exxon, you know, like oil companies, like, you know, they, I think those aren't, I think those are probably undervalued by where they should be. Same with gold companies, but like, and like a wine company, especially like when everybody else in the wine slash service industry is kind of like hedging their bets and trying not to expand. These guys are like, we're going public. So yeah. either people were like, I got to get drunk on these guys stuff. Cause I like everything in my life sucks otherwise. And they just make cheap wine or there's something else going on. So I think having some at the money calls for their IPO price that were, you know, a couple like a year out for expiration would be worthwhile. Cause I, I don't think it's going to hold it. Um, but if, you know, we had at the money calls and cause, you know, like I'm, as you know, I'm a put trader predominantly, um, which isn't great
0: <laughs> right now. For me can be.
1: Yeah. But I'm saying like, it isn't great for me right now. Like, you know, you should have a better balanced portfolio, but that's where I think having some at the money calls, like maybe one or two and then having some at the money puts, um, and then selling against them for a while. I I don't think it would stick where it is and I don't think it'd be going
0: up. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've kind of thought about this too is, um, you know the market right now, and, and this is you know again mine and yours, and and also no advice for anybody. Um, but my obsession currently right now, and your uh, forced obsession because I talk to you about it incessantly all day long every day. <laughs> but uh, is is I I think that the market currently is trying to price in a lot of the. Um, economic growth from the, the economy reopening. Mm-hmm. So, the, I mean, you know, there was a little bit of a pullback last week. Well, a pretty, fairly big pullback last week. What what did the what did it pull back last? Uh, Friday, it pulled back. You know, the Dow was down almost 500, uh, 470. Uh, the day before, I think it was down 500. So, I mean, it pulled back a 1,000 points last week, something like that. And, um, you know, whether, you know, whether good or bad, the NASDAQ did eke out a little bit of a gain. And, you know, we t- talked about Apple, Apple did close it slightly up, I think 0.25 up. Uh, so anyways, there was a little After bit of a pullback. After off a huge amount. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. About, about 2%. But, um, you know, it did end the day up, which. <laughs> no, no. So I'm saying it was, it, it's yeah. down $10 over the last two weeks. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, but, I think that the the, the market is trying to price in this sort of stuff. And what my I would love to own shares in a winery. I think that the way I would maybe go about it would be not on the um, stock exchange, not on the. <laughs> I I would maybe try to go about uh, looking for somebody that I know that's looking to expand their winery that I believe in their ability to make a decent product. And Mm -hmm. then if they wanted to maybe buy another couple of acres or plant another couple of acres or something like that, or or something, some, yeah, something like that. Like I would rather, you know, put $20,000 into something like that, um, which would be a substantial investment way more than I invest in the market. But like, I would feel like that is a better use of my money than something like, duck have you ever had a duck horn wine i'd never heard of them really okay I, i've seen them a lot and i've actually thought about getting them they're they're at a lot of places they're very um very popular i guess I uh, i've never actually had one i always see them and i'm always like oh uh maybe i'll try this and then i end up getting something else mm-hmm. but it, it is it is popular it's widely available they have them at kroger well at least they have it at my kroger i don't know if they have it oh, yours.
1: i'm sure they do and i just have never noticed because like yeah that's the thing is like, I don't shop, I don't normally shop red blend. I don't normally shop cab Sauv. I normally shop Spanish, Portuguese, That's true. Yeah. Zin, or, or, and I'm not saying they only make reds, but then, you know, like when I'm looking at like Grigios or Rieslings, like I'm not always looking at American, but like, you know, here, like yeah. Kendall Jackson, there's a bunch of that. And like when I was Mm -hmm. looking at the grocery store this weekend, I was looking at like Malbec and they like, I don't think Kendall Jackson is necessarily a bad brand of wine, but I don't see them as like a huge, like quality brand of wine. Like, but there were several like Malbecs that I was looking at, I think. And like Kendall Jackson was like one of the most expensive one that Kroger had that wasn't,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that was under 30 like it was still pretty high up and that's a brand I usually see on sale. Like, they don't have a big flashy label, you know, that sort of thing where it's like, so they, they probably have Duckworth wines or cause I think they have 10 brands. If I remember correctly from the article.
0: Yeah. I think that's what it says in the article. I, the only yeah. one I'm familiar with is their normal, like their main duck horn yeah, one duck which, horn. which their, their main line, their, their like mainline Duckhorn or whatever is not cheap. Yeah. It's it's I would say mid-priced. One of the things that they do offer, which I always thought was kind of interesting, is they offer the 375 milliliter wines. Mm-hmm. Um I always want to get those, but I don't really think they're a great value, typically. Yeah. Uh they're they're good value if it's an expensive wine and you want to try it for you know less. You don't want to buy the whole thing. Um, I'm looking at their website right now. I think what they they are widely available, but their website is actually really high priced uh stuff uh here oh they have a sauvignon they have a sauvignon blanc here 30 bucks which is that's not too bad there's a little bit a little bit higher than i would normally pay for a Sauv blanc uh looks like their chardonnay is 36 um let's see man most of these are really expensive uh they have a merlot here for 56 which is a little higher than i would pay for a merlot typically but it could be a very good merlot i don't know uh but they do have. I mean, their their regular old Cab Sauv is, like I said, is widely available. Let's see what they've got at uh, Total Wine. Total Wine has Duckhorn, and Total Wine's Duckhorn is, um, okay. This is the one that I know. Uh, Decoy Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. It's um. So this is actually not under the. Duckhorn brand it's under the decoy brand uh which does have a duck on it as well but it's also by Duckhorn. it's uh 17 dollars so i think that's the one i normally see but they also do have uh their merlot their normal 2017 merlot is uh 45 dollars at total wine and their normal cab Sauv is 60 at total wine uh they have a red blend a decoy red blend for 17 uh yeah, all of these are duck like some sort of duck on them
1: yeah. that they own. So they uh, they uh, on their website they have a 6 liter bottle <laughs> for $1400. Oh, wow. wow. They have a, a double magnum, so that's 3 liters for 440, but um okay. like they do have a $15 Sauvignon Blanc, uh $18 Chardonnay. And then that $30 cab that you saw, but then like everything else that I'm seeing is like 50 or, you know, 50 or higher or there, yeah, there's a 36, but like, and there's a 28, they have a, a Merlot for 28, but like, Oh, they have a 17, uh, $1,760 six liter bottle. Of wine. I've never huh. seen a six liter bottle of wine. Like, legitimately advertised. You know, like I've, I've seen them in passing, but I always kind of thought they were fake. Like just display bottles like for goofiness, <laughs> but no, well, I think
0: they're, I think they're made to age for a long time.
1: Probably. Like,
0: yeah. I think that's why they're big. I, I don't know for sure. We should probably ask somebody about that. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, we'll, it, uh, we should keep an eye on it. I'm just, I'm kind of curious. Um Their vineyard looks pretty. I haven't I mean, looked at pictures of their vineyard. You know, it's, maybe it's maybe one of, maybe week. one of these days. Yeah. We'll go out there, we'll check it out. But, yeah, good. I don't know. I i I had I had I was vaguely familiar with them, mm-hmm. but was not familiar enough to go like, oh, this is a fantastic wine. This IPO is gonna be great. You know. So an interesting article, played. and it's also kind of up what up the alley of what mostly I'm interested in, but both of us are interested in yeah. the markets and the stocks and stuff. So,
1: well, that's the thing. It's not to say that I'm not interested in it. I just don't have the ability to play in it the way you do from a time
0: perspective. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because I I pull it up and just watch it all day long. Yeah,
1: so. and that's the thing is like because I can't like I can just goof off and make money but like i'm not making a huge amount of money and i also don't think it's going to lead to me retiring so i'm not yeah. spending as much time on it but like with the results that you're getting compared like you know the difference in what you earn like an hour normally and what i earn an hour normally at our jobs jobs like i could be doing like if i just had the same plays that you did this year then like I wouldn't technically need to have my job necessarily. If, if like, you know, extrapolating that through the year, like I cover my, my needs, but I also, I, I have other things that I'm working on, but they also should lead to that. Speaking of other things we're working on, um, we are Tasting Anarchy. We've got TastingAnarchy.com. You can follow us on children or us t- on Children. You can follow us on Twitter at TastingAnarchy.com or t- com or tastinganarchy. Send us an email at tastinganarchy at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Reddit, uh, where we don't really post anything because right now that's a big bullseye target so we're really not posting much stuff there uh but our big thing that we do is childerberg which is yeah. the annual event in texas uh just actually a little north of austin well north northwest of austin yeah, yeah northwest yeah, of austin northwest. at the yeah. Mule Shoe bend recreational area it's going to be the 29th through 31st of May of 2021. Um we'll be out there. Jacob's gonna be out there on mid to mid afternoon Friday, right? Or are you leaving yeah.
0: early? Yeah, usually usually a couple of people show up on Friday. Um you know campsites are up up for grabs on Friday, so mm-hmm. you 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 know make your own arrangements. Um you can reach out to me. Sometimes we've got enough room for yeah, uh, you know, I usually reserve one or two just for just for the Friday night. So if you reach out to me and you're you know first come first serve, you can definitely stay on the, at the campsite with me. Um, but yeah, people usually get there Friday night. Uh, it's it's just kind of fun. And then uh, the big day, the big first day is Saturday mm-hmm. this year. And I think because it's going to be a while till I release this, I can go ahead and announce it. Um, we will be using the stage at Iron Wolf Distillery. Uh, it's at ironwolfranch.com. I think it's their website. I think so as well. We will, Yeah, we'll have uh, a couple of uh, big names. Owen Glass, the music group, uh, libertarian music group here in Dallas. They'll be playing a set. Um, Brian Breckenridge will be doing a comedy set and also the famous Robbie, the fire Bernstein of part of the problem. Mm. He'll uh, be doing a comedy set as well. So, uh, we may have some other acts too, but I have not got confirmations on those yet, but, um, mm. it should be pretty big. Uh, you you can come out. There's going to be a couple of podcasters that you may know from other things like, uh, the, um, car from the friends against government podcast, Rollo from Rollo slappy show. Uh, the Eric's from the various, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to say, uh, anarchist garage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what's Eric, the Red's show is, um, uh, I am bad with show names. <laughs> I know you are. Yep, yeah, But Eric, the red, he's got his show. He, I know he does anarchy in space with Nikki P. I just can't remember what his mm-hmm. main show is called. Um, I'll look it up later. Man. Uh, Monica Perez has also showed interest of, uh, the drive by news blast. Nice. And, uh, So she may make it out. I don't know if she will or not for sure. But also, uh, Will and Jared from Peaceful Treason. uh, Peaceful Treason. And they've had some new episodes recently. So that's also pretty exciting. At least one, um, because I don't
1: think they've released the other one. (laughs)
0: uh, I don't think they have either. So yeah, I think you're right. So at least one. Maybe by the time this comes out, they'll have released the other one. And uh, also, big, big important announcement go over to Childerberg.com and buy the shirts. So. The shirts are what funds us, and uh, we've sold actually quite a few so far. But we definitely need to sell some more. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have any, uh, s- what do they? What does Tom Woods call it? Smackers. Yes. If you have any spare smackers, uh, send them our way. So Even that if you don't, can,
1: you know, save yeah. Up. Yeah. yes, get a shirt.
0: Go to debt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, but yeah, it's definitely, only federal, def- it's definitely only fiat send us fiat some currency. Money. It's not that important. <laughs> exactly. <yeah>. Send it <laughs> over we need our it. way because we do need it for. Um, the expenses, yeah. I, I, it's all out of pocket for me right now. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's uh pretty expensive. And so, but I, I'm confident that things will even out and any sort of, uh, proceeds above the amount that it costs to, you know, rent the space, get the campsites, all that sort of stuff. Um, anything above that goes to freeRoss.org. That's our, that's our, uh, main thing. Yeah, so that's our, now that, uh, Trump is out of office, we don't have the hope that maybe Trump will pardon him. Although I, I never really expected that he would. Uh but maybe I, now Joe Biden will. Yeah, I, mean, I thought maybe was Biden a, will a chance
1: for clemency for sentencing issues. Um yeah. and even then with like Joe Biden, I still think there's a possibility of that, just cause he's so friggin' weird. Um yeah. but you know, we our biggest hope was Trump on in that regard. Um but you know, I hope hopefully Cotton will be out again. Um hopefully yeah. um I was trying to think of some of the other, like Gore Brewing. Um, hopefully, they'll be out again. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he will be, meat. and
0: he's actually he's bringing some new meads. Nice.
1: So. Um, Rollo is going to be delayed getting there. I think he's not getting in until Sunday. So, um, depending on how delayed he think he may be, I might see if he wants to ship the uh, fruitcake down to you. Um, that's right. That's which, actually,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll coordinate with him.
1: Yeah, which I'll cover for him if, he, if he's going to do that. I'll send him some some sort of compensation in that regard if he wants to do that. So, cause we always do a 50, 50, um, with the proceeds of the 50, 50 going to, uh, free Ross. I started the tradition of just donating the whole thing, but you know, if you don't want to, or can't, you know, if you're trying, if you have a particularly long drive, then that'd be fine. Um, oh my goodness. Why his name, his handle escapes me, South Dakota, uh, Barbary pirate, oh. Barbary-, yeah, Bar- Bar- uh, Barbary cook. cook. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why I never want to get that right on the first go. Um, hopefully he'll be able to come down. Um, maybe Theodore again, uh, from,
0: I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, he's, he's kind of like dropped everybody in the Liberty Twitter has been wondering what happened to him. Cause he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Um, I heard from somebody in one of the discords that he is just taking a a break from the internet for a little while.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, he's um, up in the Chicago area, if I remember correctly. So, um, or in that thereabout. So it just may be, you know, the, the lockdown has been really rough up there um, as well as the economy. So he may just be kind of trying to get his mental clarity back. Uh, but always a nice guy. Always good to see him. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, uh, goodness. Anna, the... Oh, man, what, did, what was her hin- Twitter handle? Like, Raging Bull Dyke. She was... Oh, yeah, funded, uh, She um, was great, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fun. Um, there are some other people that had talked about coming last year um, that we need to reach out to again to see if they're going to be out and available. Um, I hope know, so. You know, since they're in the lockdown states. Um, yep. I know Howie Snowden from... Uh, I was going to say friends against government, which he's been on, I think at least once. <laughs> yeah. Um, but OG Lions of Liberty, if he, um, maybe he'll be able to come out. Um, Cause that'd he's wanted great. to come out every year and it'd be great to see him in person. Um, Cause he lives not close to me, but like within striking distance. And we always talk about trying to do something. So yeah, that'd be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, go out, go to the church, com, help us out, get that funded. Um, Cause yeah, the more funding and the more availability you have, we have better. If you have a show promote it, if you can, um, we are going to be trying to cut a promo probably over this, or we'll probably have a promo available by the time that you all are hearing this. So if you want to host that, send that along or put that in your show, reach out and we'll be glad to share the file, um, to get the word out. So for all of you, out there from those of us here stay free all right stay free everyone